This is a special episode of the Anonymous Third Podcast, and I'm your host, Joe Chura. Ladies and gentlemen, we are halfway through 2021, and I have no idea where the time's gone. It is unbelievable how fast this year has already progressed. So here is episode 26, and I want to recap the show and my experience so far. When I first started this podcast, I got to be honest, I had no real plan or goal, but I felt this calling to pay forward some inspiration with others and just see where it would lead me. I've had two moments in my life that left a lasting impact that I didn't know at the time led me here to this podcast and this room and this chapter in my life. The first moment was when I sold my businesses. I don't know if you've ever had a major goal, accomplished it, and were somehow left feeling a little empty about it, but that was the exact spot I was in. Don't get me wrong, it's something I'm incredibly proud of, but it really opened my eyes to what success actually was. Bullshit. There is no finish line, nor should there be. You're not gonna be happier when you achieve a goal. We need to live our lives to the fullest and not stop at one arbitrary goal. The second moment was during the Chicago Marathon in 2015. I gotta tell you, I was training for this race, but I wasn't sure what to expect. I I started like super strong and by mile 13, I was looking around at the beautiful city of Chicago thinking I could run forever. That's when I saw it. Someone was literally holding a sign that said, not almost there. And that is when I lost control of my mental rudder, because they were right. I wasn't almost there. I had to fight for each mile after that, and every step became harder, because my mind kept telling me I wasn't even close to finishing. It did, in fact, finish, but by no means did I set any records. In fact, I probably was closer to disqualifying, but again, I did finish. But since then, that sign has always stayed with me. So after going through this pandemic, I thought now was the time to put some of the lessons I've learned and received into action. Let's change the narrative and rock 2021. Hence this podcast and Not Almost There was born. I've since had the pleasure of interviewing over 25 incredible people this year. And when I'm preparing my questions, I think of you and I try to pull out the best tips and advice from each one of these unique guests. I listen to these podcasts on runs, walks, drives, and every time I do, I make notes for myself. And my goal constantly is to make each one at least 1% better than the last. It's been a ton of work, a ton of work, but it's been an amazing learning experience. And it's also helped me personally along in my training by using the tools and tips we talk about on the show, which is why it's so important to me to have each guest provide useful, actionable advice that you, me, and we are able to start using right away. I am super pumped about the second half of the year, and I can't wait to tell you what guests we have coming on. But before then, I have to tell you about an event called Go, which will take place Saturday, August 21st, near Naperville, Illinois. We'll have some of the folks that inspire me a ton. Rich Roll, author of the best-selling book, Finding Ultra and the Rich Roll Podcast, Olympian and world champion wrestler Jordan Burroughs, and my main man, Cedric King, who's an army ranger, author, an incredible person and speaker. These guys will be out for the day and lead this inspiration and activity. Tickets are on Eventbrite right now. They're just over $100. I'll link to them in the show notes with a discount code for you. 
because we are going all in <laughs> to bring together a fun race, some self-defense training taught by world-class jiu-jitsu champions, yoga, meditation, and live music. This is going to be the real deal. No matter what your fitness level is at, you need to come out here. We'll be breaking up into groups and there'll be people of all levels. It's important that you push yourself and that's why we are calling this event Go. It is go time. I don't care if your year has been sloppy this far or a mess or you fell off track of your goals. Mine has been far from perfect and I'd classify it as beautifully messy if I had to put a label on it. We're going through a lot, let's face it, but this day will aim to provide a reset that you need. Go. Get your ticket now. The second half of the year is also exciting for me personally as I have two of the hardest feats in front of me, a 50K Spartan Ultra and a Jiu-Jitsu tournament, which is my Misogi for the year. I've been training for both of these nonstop, but there's more to do and I have to turn up the gas. And to me, that's why the first clip is so fitting for this podcast today. And I'm going to jump right in my interview with Chad Wright. Chad is a former Navy SEAL and founder of the 3 of 7 Project. I wanted to start with him because I watched him complete one of the most amazing human feats over this last weekend. He competed in the last man standing race in Tennessee. The race is a 1.1 mile loop. He had 20 minutes to complete each loop. There's about 100 people or so in the race. If you finish before the 20 minute mark, you can rest. But on the 20 minute mark, it's go time. And Chad won this thing. He ran for 38 hours, climbed over 37,000 feet of elevation, and ran over 130 miles. He followed the plan he created and executed flawlessly. And in this interview that I did with him, he goes into what it takes to become a winner. And one of the main things is to not give pain a voice. And why I wanted to start with him, because at the end of the race, it turns out he was in pain, but he didn't utter a word. No one knew about it. This is so powerful because we all struggle. And what we say to ourselves matters more than I even knew. Here's Chad Wright. This is biblical, uh, but I learned it just through life, right? Seeing guys in SEAL training, seeing guys in hard, hard situations, seeing guys or girls, this girls too, in ultra running, um, basically lose control of their rudder and start to go down that negative path with their speech. And, um, and not long after that, they would either quit or, or they would you know, not, not be achieving on the level they wanted to achieve, you know, and and this sounds silly to a lot of people, man. Uh, but these are minor tweaks that we can all make that are going to move us from being average to elite. These are minor tweaks that when you find yourself in the furnace of adversity, they're going to make the difference between you coming out the other end of that thing or you just sitting in it for a long, long time. Something as simple as saying curse words. I know this sounds silly, but but I'm really, you, you have to really hone this in. If you want to be elite, you have to pay attention to the details. All right? Specifically for me, the details of what is coming out of my mouth. Um, it's important. 
Now, with Greg in the Mid-State Mile, you're right. We were 30 hours, well, 20, we were 20-something hours into this race, continuously running a one-mile loop with 350 feet of elevation gain and loss, which total, which adds a lot. It, it, that, that totals up. Uh, I think that day I ended up winning, running uh, 30, a little over 30 hours with something like 35,000 feet of elevation That's gain insane. and loss. So That's over, insane. yeah, over Everest and um, from sea level. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, Greg uh, was a was a, just an awesome runner. Um, had a resume that that really put mine to shame when it comes to the ultra running side of the house. And I didn't think that I could beat him until a distinct moment. And it was, uh, I forget what hour we we were on, but he came to me and said, "Uh, Chad, we have six hours until we hit 100 miles. And so in that moment, not only did he kind of lose control of his rudder, right? But he had lost control of his um, of his mind in a way. In other words, he was no longer present. He was no longer focused on the single mile that we had to run in order to stay in the race. He was thinking about how many miles we had to do in order to hit a hundred miles which didn't matter anyways. The The race was going to go until only one of us were left. So 100 miles meant nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. like, who, who cares if we hit 100 miles? We have to keep going until one of us uh, quit. And um, But I knew in that moment that he could not beat me. That was the first time I had been striving against this uh, very worthy competitor I'd been striving against him for over for 25, 26 hours, whatever it was. I didn't think I could beat him until this moment. And then when he made that statement, I knew that he was no longer present and focused on what was in front of him in order to stay in the fight. I knew that he couldn't beat me anymore. And I just smiled at the dude. And he probably thought I was crazy because I am a little crazy. Um, but I just smiled at him and we carried on. And it was probably... I don't know. It was it was just a few hours after that where his physical body actually started to shut down, which in my opinion is a result of him overextending himself mentally. So when he overextended himself mentally and was was trying to project too far ahead with his thoughts, <clears throat> he had a physical reaction in his body. And there's a video on Instagram of him coming in on his last lap and he could barely he could barely walk and he just collapses across the finish line. And what a beautiful example of human will that was. I mean, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, I'm not an, I'm not a very um, emotional guy, right? Uh, not that emotions are bad. That's a whole other subject. But um, I, I couldn't, literally could not talk to this man without crying because here is a human that's literally pushing himself to the point that his body is shutting down in order to beat me. But even even it even goes beyond that because in this moment when this video was taken, Greg knew his body was shutting down. He knew that he could not beat me. But he got up and went out again to push me further, to allow me to keep going. So the last loop he ran, he ran it for me 
because he knew he knew I hadn't reached my limit. He knew he couldn't beat me, but he still wanted to allow me to push as long as I could possibly push, which is it's that's a respect that's respect right there, man. And uh, what what a moment! You don't get to see that a lot in uh, first world cushy society anymore. Jesse Itzler talks about how to set up your goals and not beat yourself up on a daily basis as life happens. And how he goes about looking at his goals is pretty unique and something that I really took from him. I love this interview partly because Jesse has been such an inspiring guy to me and another because he was my first podcast interview, believe it or not. And it's funny now thinking about this, but at the time it wasn't funny. 10 minutes into our conversation, I realized the microphone was on mute and I had to ask him to start over. Such a rookie move. But I think it turned out pretty well, and I really loved what he had to say. When it comes to like diet and stuff like that, if you look at it as in terms of deprivation, it's not going to work. I prefer to think of it as lifestyle. But we all make mistakes, and we all fall off the wagon. You know, one thing that I've done that's really helped me is instead of thinking of in terms of day-to-day, I think of things weekly. Let me give you an example. Instead of thinking like, okay, I'm going to run five miles every day this week. I'm going to write 10 pages of my book every single day this week. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write 10 pages. Inevitably, things happen. Your kids get hurt. You have to go to the doctor. An appointment happens. And like you miss days. So I started looking at things weekly. I'm going to run 35 miles this week. I'm going to write 50 pages this week. So it, it gives, we're human. It allows for human error. And I can now make it up. If I miss a day, it's not the end of the world. If I tell myself I'm going to run every day, and I miss a day, I'm like, I lost. You know, I, I, I didn't succeed, I failed. And if I give myself that leeway, because I didn't run yesterday or today, I do have a weekly goal, I'm just gonna pick it up the next two or three days. So that's really been a shift for me, thinking in terms of, and I, for 50 years I was day. Every single day I'm gonna run this and this and this, and I shifted to the week, it took a lot of pressure off me. It took a lot of pressure off me. So that, that's really been helpful. J.P. Dinell was another Navy SEAL I was lucky enough to get on the podcast. What he says here really strikes a chord because it's an excuse I hear often. And if I have to be honest, it's one I used to use myself. I don't have the time. I just don't have the time to work out. I don't have the time to play with my kids. I don't have the time to insert whatever you don't want to do. Let's see what J.P. thinks about that statement. There's no excuses as to us not being able to learn or get stuff done. You know, yeah. people are like, I don't have the time. My big thing I've been telling people is, yeah, you do have the time. It's just not a priority of yours. So instead of saying, I don't have the time, switch it up and say, it's not a priority of mine. And it really forces you to think about what you're saying. Like, so if you're getting ready to say, like, I don't have time to go to my kid's soccer game. It's not a priority to go to my kid's soccer game. Ooh, you know, I don't have time to take my wife out on a date this week. It's not a priority to take my wife out on a date this week. I don't have time Ooh, to read like 10 pages in a day. It's not a priority of mine to read 10 pages in a day. Ben Nemton was the creator of a book and show on MTV called The Buried Life. In this clip, Ben talks about the importance of goals and how you need to think about your deathbed. This sounds morbid, but check it out as it makes so much sense. If, you're, if you think more about a list as that holistic reflection of who you are, then you move away from the traditional idea of a bucket list, which is probably like adventure and travel, right? Skydive, travel Europe, you know, those types of things. 
which are is actually only one category of your life. And there's at least 10 categories of your life that can be reflected on a list, on your list. So there's adventure travel, there's uh, intellectual, as you said, like, what do you want to learn? There's spiritual, emotional, professional, what are your professional goals? Uh, what are your um, material goals? It's okay to have goals, uh, things that you just want to buy, right? That, what are your goals to, of service? How do you want to give back? So anything that's going to bring you that joy is what should be, in my opinion, reflected on your list. And that changes over time. So you keep your list in a journal, hopefully, that you can revisit every couple months and update. And, uh, and you write it down because it's important to take those thoughts and make them real. Because you, the problem that we have with personal goals is that there's no accountability. And we have, a, we have deadlines for all these other sets, goal sets in our lives. But with our personal goals, there's no deadlines. So, we, so something always pops up that's more important. And we push it. And we say, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next year. And the reality is, is that 76% of people at the end of their life, they don't regret the things they did. They regret the things they didn't do. And so you have all these people lying on their deathbed, looking back on their whole life and thinking, holy crap, I blew it. I didn't do those things that I, I wanted. I, I lived the life for someone else, not myself. Maysoon Zayed is a comic. On this episode, she grills me a bit, which is pretty funny, and I guess I should have ex expected it. She is a comic. What I loved about what she says here, though, is really some advice nearly everyone can use. Advice for everybody, regardless of your dream or your ability, is don't let strangers define you. Only you get to define you. Pick the person that you want to be and be that person. If like nobody believes in you and nobody cheers for you, cheer for yourself. I think that in a society that's so inundated with social media, we're looking for those likes and we're looking for that approval and we're not like just being. And if you just be who you want to be, your life is going to be so much easier than trying to like curl yourself into a pretzel that fits into this image that other people are projecting on you. Alex Benayan wrote the book, The Third Door, which is an amazing adventure story. Many of the books and authors I read would be categorized as self-help, and they're good, but the books I find most interesting are stories. And Alex's book is just that, with a ton of lessons in between that he learned along his journey. We dive into a ton of the book in the episode, but one of the perils of wisdom that I'm sharing in this clip comes from one of the most accomplished tech entrepreneurs that he interviewed. It has to do with luck, and you should really check it out. Again, I'll, I'll quote Chi Lu here, where he says, Luck is monumental to success, but most people don't understand it. Luck isn't this rolling of the dice, you know, magical eureka moment. Luck is actually like a bus. If you're standing at the bus stop, you know, every now and then the bus rolls by. But if you're not if you don't have the bus fare in the form of preparation, no matter how many times that bus rolls up, you won't be able to get on. Patty Morrissey is the founder of Clear and Cultivate and was an early guest, but someone I really enjoy talking to. We talk about the alter ego. If you're struggling with getting out of your shell, you have to check out this clip. Listen, I struggled a lot in my life with speech, with low confidence, and I've embraced this alter ego concept to get me through things. 
in a whole new different way. And I know it can help you as well. Um, so crafting an alter ego is just recognizing that really anyone who's accomplished anything is just like you and me and that they've played some game where they've viewed themselves in a way and had to, had to believe that they were worthy of the gifts that they've been given, um, worthy of following that bliss, following that inner light, following that joy, that spark joy feeling. Um, so I have people like just, you know, I'll just play out what we did yesterday. So I just did a, an open-ended brainstorm of if you could be anyone, who would you be? And it could be, I, I would be a magical unicorn crocodile. Like it doesn't matter. It, or I would be a combination of Britney Spears and Oprah, like whatever your vision is for who you'd want to be. And so, okay, great. What are their personality traits? What are their qualities? What do you admire? What are you jealous of that you see other people doing that you wish you had? And that's an open brainstorm. And then we make a character profile of them and start to you know, identify like what are their top five personality traits? What are they always wearing? What, what do they eat for breakfast? Just really, what, how do they spend a typical day? So we have a sense of who they are. And then I had everyone introduce their alter egos to the group. And they were so creative in describing different things. You know, someone had a woman named Charlotte who's always um, really polished and put together and has this like boho style on her house. And she um, is always patient with her kids and likes to take walks on the beach. Like nothing, she's not saying like win 20 Grammys. You know, she's, <laughs> this is all achievable stuff. So I would have them do that and then, excuse me, um, introduce their characters. And then the real kind of thing at the end is, why do we believe that that's not us already? And then they're like, but uh, you know, I'm flawed and I'm not, I'm not that outgoing and I'm not that, um, I could never, you know, and the, all of that kind of self-doubt starts to well up. And then I just say, you know, is that make-believe, this, this character that you've created? Or is the, you know, bullshit story that you've created about your limitations true? And so we just start to play. And so this whole idea of trying on alter egos is a very playful thing. And so I said, you know, when your kid walks into the room with a Power Ranger costume and they're like acting it out and they're shooting things and they're kicking and yelling and playing. You don't go and they'll go like, I'm a Power Ranger. You don't go like, no, you're not, you loser. You're like, you're just a little kid, you loser. But that's how we talk to ourselves all the time. I'm not an, I'm, I could never. Um, so I just say, you know, at least start talking to yourself like you're your own child. Um, and say like, yeah, you are, you are Oprah and Britney Spears. And like, I love your talk show dance show thing that you have going on. Like, that's amazing. Like, go for it and see what starts to happen. And what starts to happen when you start showing up in the world this way is that people just applaud people being authentic and true to themselves. You know, the, the woman in the grocery store who's wearing like a yellow polka dot dress and just like living her best life like they're magnetic and vibrant and unapologetic and confident. And you can't help but smile, even though like it's a little countercultural. Um, it's amazing to witness people doing their thing and being in their element. And so alter egos, let us play with that a little bit. 
like David Goggins is another one that created an alter ego called Goggins, right? And and he needed to to get in Goggins to one put his his past aside and not that not let that limit him going forward. And Goggins became the superhero. And uh, he was actually I had the pleasure of of doing a run with him. He came to my house last year wow. before Refuel. He's one of our keynote speakers. And it was surreal because he he is this is kind of an embarrassing story. So he he comes in my house. I have about 40 people here geared up and just super fans like Goggins is going to be here. We're going to do a run. It's 5 a.m., maybe 515 Chicago weather, December, 15 degrees outside, snowing. And he pulls up, comes in the house. and Everyone's just kind of staring at him. We're just we're all just like, wow, because we've all read the book, you know, and we're like, yeah. here's Goggins. And and uh, I started off the run with him. And I, you know, the first thing I say is, listen, I, I am uh, not a super fast runner, you know, so I'm just like, <laughs> basically in a nice way telling him, like, please don't go crazy right now, because I'm not gonna be able to keep up. And I'd love to, to uh, run with you. So I'm running with him. And he's dead silent. And he's just he's running. We have our headlamps on. And I was like, all right, this is bizarre. So I put in my earbuds. He's next to me. And I have this playlist on Spotify where he's talking over like just like, you know, rap music and like music to pump you up. So I'm running and I'm looking at him and I'm hearing him, but it's not him, the him next to me. And it was the most surreal experience. So we ended up running like five miles. We stopped a quarter of the way and did. I don't even like a thousand jumping, probably not a thousand jumping jacks, but it seemed like they never ended like jumping jacks, push-ups. you know, the, the grass was completely, uh, you know, frosted and our hands are frozen. There was one of the coolest experiences. Mm. And so many people that, that did it were like, were afraid, including myself, like, and you're working out with Goggins <laughs> you know, after hearing all that, but he didn't or wouldn't have got to the place that he ended up at without creating this alter ego. So I love that you are reviewing that with your clients and you're going over that and you're getting them to think about that. And I think people listening to this need to think about that because it gets you through these obstacles and you're like, Hey, that's not me. That's my alter ego. You know, just like you said, you know, that kid, that's a superhero. Alex Payne is an author from Silicon Valley who wrote a few books, including rest we talk about finding the best time for you to find your most productive self. And that isn't necessarily big news, but Alex discusses why that time and why working against your chronotype could actually be better for you. Uh, the challenge is to, is to figure out sort of when you are at your kind of creative and energetic peak and to set that time aside for, sort of for, for your most important work. So if that starts at, you know, sort of 9 or 10 a.m. rather than at, you know, 6 a.m., you know, or if it starts at 4 p.m., whatever, um, or if, uh, that, you know, your, uh, or if your task, your task is to sort of be, you know, is to be really thoughtful with yourself about what works for you now and to try to design a day that sort of, that maximizes that. The other thing I will say is that, you know, humans, humans are not quite as good as we might expect at intuiting that. You know, I am, I am someone who, you know, in college, um, you know, was 
I was one of those people who, you know, started, you know, started homework after, you know, the, after the evening news. And so you know, very often, <laughs> yeah, you know, very often I was up until, you know, or, you know, going to, going to bed at 2 a.m. was generally a pretty good, you know, a pretty good night for me. Um, and I just kind of, you know, I assumed that's like, you know, how I worked best. And, you know, it was, it was not how I worked best. It was how I worked when I was 19, which is not the same thing. But, you know, discovering, it, and it took me, when I started experim experimenting with a morning routine, it took me a few weeks to really kind of get into that rhythm. But I find that even though I would not call myself an early, you know, sort of a volunteer or natural early riser, that there is still amazing value to having that practice and having that routine for me. And indeed, there's some res there's research that suggests that working against chronotype, if you are doing creative work, can actually be kind of valuable because if you are, you know, ba basically if you're a night owl and you get up super early, you know, the, the working theory is that your subconscious is still kind of sort of a little bit more in the mix than sort of than it will be much later in the day. And so you are more likely to have insights or ideas that you wouldn't necessarily have sort of, uh, uh, sort of later on. So I think that it's a matter of sort of uh, of of recognizing recognizing when your peak periods are, experimenting with them, and you know, or experimenting with routines that allow you to match up those periods with you know with your with your key tasks. Um, now, the other you know the obvious question is if you are you know the one night owl in you know in an office full of you know early risers i think that what we find is that coordinating schedules and giving everybody the same time to like do really focused work has right now has really substantial benefits no matter your chronotype um, and that figuring out how to coordinate you know how to really precisely fine tune that stuff for everyone is what companies will do when they want to go from four day weeks to three day weeks. And, you know, it's the, it's the next, it's the next obvious thing to try to do, but nobody is really at the organizational scale attacked that part of it yet. How do you handle fires, not literal fires, but like work fires or family emergencies? How do you stop playing defense with your day and not let people control you or your day or let something spin out of control? Mike Vardy, productivity expert, shows us how. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to play defense again. How do you pause during the day when your days already get derailed? Take a deep breath and say, okay, I got to get this back on track. So I, I want you to think about again. when people say this all the time, I have to fight fires all day long. And then I ask them, okay, well, if you're a firefighter, ask yourself how you would fight a fire that seems to be like out of control. Firefighters will be relentless about things, but also be very strategic about it. They will let parts of a building burn down so that they can save other parts of it. Or they'll be like, you know what? I need to let this part of the building go because we have to protect this other building over here. Like they get very strategic about it. So when people often say, I'm fighting fires all day long, they're normally doing this. Like there's no control. There's no element to it, right? <laughs> so the thing is, is that you can... Uh, 
Questlove wrote about this in his book called Creative Quest. This is the first time I came across this term about micro meditations. And it's like taking 30 seconds and just sitting with it. 30 seconds is not a lot of time when you're feeling that fight or flight thing. But when you are consciously taking 30 seconds, it can feel like forever. I do this exercise with people when we when I've done, uh, you know, speaking on, on stage and even virtually harder to do virtually because the atmosphere is different, but I've done like, okay, we're going to sit here for 60 seconds and do nothing. Put your, put your books down, put everything. Don't want to see any devices. And we're going to do this for 60 seconds starting now. And I sit for 60. I, I like, I don't do anything for 60. And then I sit down and then at about the 35 second mark, I kind of shuffle as if I'm going to get up. And people are like, oh, 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 because they feel like, oh, but they don't realize we're not, we're just barely past the halfway mark. And then you hear like, you know, when, when, when there's too much silence and it gets uncomfortable and then people, you could hear people starting to laugh and titter and you hear the shuffling of feet and all that stuff. That's when people are, when, when you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. That means that something is like, you know, you're sitting with something that you're not used to, right? And I love the idea of micro meditations and just taking a beat and going, okay, how do I attack this properly? Like what's, what's the next best action for me to take? Is it to start spraying willy nilly or is it for me to go, hey, you know what? Joe's over there. I need to know what he can maybe do to help me out. I'm going to sit down and map out what I need to do to take care of this really quickly. Or I'm going to get on the phone and call this person. I'm going to, I'm going to just take a beat before I actually do anything, right? Like fools rush in, that idea of fools rushing in, right? And it's amazing when you take that 30-second beat or 60-second beat or however long because the, the, the clarity that you gain from that just in that moment can allow you to forge ahead with a better solution than just the straight up offense. Um, another metaphor would be football, right? Like the idea of I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, unfortunately, uh, no matter how you want to slice it. But when you're playing football, the defense is designed to stop an offensive play and the offense is, is trying to get through, whether it's, they're trying to run the ball. The quarterback reads the defense, may call an audible, right? Oh, they're going to do this differently now. You're literally trying to get 10 yards down to get the next four chances to score, right? And there's constant changing that's happening. And a two-yard gain, a three-yard gain is something, right? You're that much closer, so think about it in those terms as well. You're not always going to be able to get like, you know, 15, 20 yards. You sometimes have to grind it out and get three, then two, then five. And okay, now we got a first down. So it's often when we, when we are faced with these reactionary solutions or these reactionary situations, rather, we tend to try to think of like, I need to solve this completely now. And the, you, most cases you can't. Sometimes you have to let certain things burn. Sometimes you have to let certain things go. Um, but the only way you're going to get that understanding, that awareness, that, that, that focus, that clarity is to go, all right, I'm going to take a step and, and kind of just be thoughtful about it. You know, be a bit more um, reasoned with my approach as opposed to being reckless or ruthless because reckless productivity is not productive. It's, it's, it's not sustainable. I mean, just doing things at random is not 
it'll it'll check off boxes, but it won't necessarily check off the right ones. Ruthless productivity is a recipe for burnout. You know, I'm going to dive in and just, and all of a sudden you're wondering like, why am I, why, I, I now can't do anything. I've, I've been doing this for two weeks strong and now I'm, I'm out. But reasoned, a reasoned approach, that's sustainable. So I think honestly, in situations like that, Taking, taking 30 seconds to step back and assess. And sometimes that's looking at the problem. Sometimes that's stepping away from the problem. But it's important. And the 30 seconds you step away, you can come back and make great gains that you wouldn't have been able to make otherwise. There is just no way I can do a summary episode and not talk about health and diet and the practical advice from Mike Matthews, author of Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, many other books, and the founder of Legion Athletics. He gives us the formula on how you can eat what you want and still stay in shape. You have to listen to this. If your diet is, is not enjoyable, and by, when I say diet, I just mean a regimen for eating, not yeah. necessarily like dieting, quote unquote, to, to lose weight or something, um, then, then you should change something. And that's one of the reasons why I advocate for flexible dieting is uh, it, it, and the rules are very simple for flexible dieting. It's you have to pay attention to your calories. You have to know where your calories should be and why. And you have to pay attention to your macronutrients, the major nutrients your body needs, protein, carbohydrate, and fat are the key ones we're looking at here. And then you have to eat foods you like. You have to, that's part of it. And no foods are, are off limits. And so long as you're getting to the final rule or guideline is so long as you're getting the majority of your calories from nutritious foods, that are relatively unprocessed. You can take a minority of your calories. We could keep it simple and say 80-20 and you can give those over to whatever you want to eat. It doesn't matter. I so love what Angela Davis says in this episode. Angela is an amazing woman and entrepreneur who put the soul in soul cycle. If you're a parent struggling with your kiddos device time, feeling guilty, this is for you. I have a dad question on that now. How do I get my kids motivated to get off their devices and uh, and get out there and work out? We do a family workout, but I see what's happening now is they're doing they're less active because they're behind the, the Zoom computers all sure. day long. Sure, I have my. Um, if anyone goes to my Instagram, it's Angela Manuel Davis, and I don't know when you're going to air this but it'll be a post and I'm in a red hat and I'm giving my 11 year old an entire kind of motivational moment where I'm just coaching him and talking to him. Um, I'm in the cycle room, but I brought his frustration into the room because he's struggling with his weight. He's uh, an, an amazing baseball player, an amazing chef. And during COVID, he put on uh, some extra weight and is super frustrated. And at 11 years old is coming to me saying, you know, I don't like looking at pictures, you know, from when I was younger, because I feel disappointed in myself. That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Um, you know, my husband and I are both professional athletes. My 14-year-old is an extraordinary athlete. And he is an extraordinary athlete, but he did gain some weight. And so, yes, we have, have you know, experienced this shift where COVID has had us, you know, in our homes and, and wherever we live in a different way. And 
you know, maybe some of us have eaten our way through this pandemic. Um, and so what I try to implement with my kids is the equal amount of time that you choose to be on the device. I only give them an hour and a half, but uh, two hours at the most. We need that in physical activity a day. Yeah. So we just, you know, and on days where if it's a weekend and, you know, and, 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 and the, the video games have turned into a sense of community for them right. because they haven't been in school and they're able to talk to their friends and you don't want to deny that or not give them that. And early on, you know, I remember where I just recently we had to give this new time because it just was too much. It was just like, there's no way that this is what you're going to do with your days and your life. Like, this isn't going to happen. So we definitely had to, you know, kind of put some new rules in place around the video games, but it was a sense of community. So I remember early on in the pandemic and early on, uh, we did allow it to go on much longer because they were talking to their friends and, you know, and you wanted that for them. But if it has now become a detriment or has, you know, has, you know, kind of bled into other areas and, and taken away time where they really need to be focused on other things, you know, we got to bring that balance in. And so that's where we are. So that's what I would do. And then with the kids, what I love to do, what I said earlier is, you know, we're a big music family. So we'll just put music on and we'll just like get hype. You know, we'll just be around here getting hype. And the next thing you know, like my kids are sweating and it's fun. (laughs) Like we'll just dance around (laughs) and jump around, but we work them out. We work, put, you know, make the little obstacle courses outside and, you know, do the stuff, but it's just like working out with them and keeping it fun and keeping it light and keeping it interesting and, um, trying to find different ways to, you know, keep them moving and give them a different understanding of why it's important to move. You are moving to stay strong enough in your body so that you can live your long life. You want to live your long life. Like, let's stay strong and really shift it for them and explain to them the importance of it and why it matters. That's great advice. I'm going to take that, whatever I see on their Apple devices in terms of their usage and make them work out. That's right. That's right on. That's right. This last clip is from Inkyu, award-winning poet and author who just had a Netflix special released. There is no better way to end the first half, the first season, than one of his poems. Please enjoy and listen to the words that he uses in this poem. It's hard for me to say yes. I mean, it's easier for me to say Next year, when the weather's fine, when I have the money or the time or the relationship I want or the career or the house or the car or the watch, watch, life pass me by waiting for an invitation when the world is greater than my nation or my occupation. The only thing I know is that we're all in this together. And the future of this earth depends on how we treat each other. But how we treat each other starts with how we treat ourselves. And how we treat ourselves starts with how we see ourselves. And how we see ourselves starts with context. 
I mean, nothing can exist without its opposite. Remember this the next time you find you're in an argument and both sides are talking and you forget your point except you're angry now and want to win so you continue yelling till they give it up by giving in so you can stand victorious because you're right. On what again? (laughs) Do we laugh on instinct or do we choose to laugh? Do we ask because we care or do we merely ask? I ask you this because I care about how humans act. We're animals aware of our future and our past, and this can be an obstacle to traveling our path. Instead of just accepting where we're at, we analyze our tracks for what we could have had, looking back, focused on the memories instead of on the facts, hence what we attract. Still, it's strange to factor in how fast it really flashes past. It's an exponential graph from creation into ash. Me, I'm sentimental one minute. Then I'm making plans. Staking claims. Shaking hands. Breaking out or breaking in. I have about a billion mimes hidden underneath my skin. And they pull my face into this grin or push my wrinkled forehead in. So pour the gin and philosophize because no one has your awesome eyes. Your view is worth the lows and highs you'll go through on this roller coaster ride. Control has got us holding on when letting go could be more fun. Hands up, embrace the drop. Eventually your life is gonna stop. It's gonna level out then come back up until you reach a different top because one day all your wheels fall off. So take advantage of your shocks. Do something you've never done. Do someone you've never done. Go someplace you've never gone, someplace that will scare you. Be someone you've never been. You feel all that adrenaline? It's medicine to jumpstart a spark inside your skeleton. See, everywhere you are is where you're supposed to be. So hopefully... You're hopelessly as lost as me. Because if you're not, you ought to be. Thank you again for listening to the Anonymous There podcast. I appreciate you more than you know. Keep your comments coming along. Please share this with a friend if you found it helpful. And if you have any suggestions or a topic for a guest, I'd love to hear it. Quick announcement before I wrap. I know I touched on this in the beginning. August 21st, we're having an event near Naperville, Illinois called Go, featuring Rich Roll, Jordan Burroughs, and my friend Cedric King. It will be epic. There will be a little adventure mixed in and a, a whole lot of surprises. Whether or not you're from the area, you are more than welcome to come. Tickets are around $100, so there's a ton of value in it. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, you, we, me are not almost there.